Thanks. Huh? Yeah, thank you. Uh, taters are my favorite. Caitlin. That's weird, but um, potatoes for breakfast. But uh, if, if mashed potatoes, good mashed potatoes are your favorite Thanksgiving side, uh, raise your hand. God bless all of you. Um, if you're a weird stuff in stuffing person, raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Get out. <laughs> like, oh, this is stuff. Is this stovetop? No, this has bits of. Oh. Dude, I bit into one of those this week, and I threw up a little in my mouth. Sorry, that too much information. I was like, oh, mmm, still, oh, mm-hmm. Well, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is um, family stuff is weird stuff, um, especially as you get older, because family dynamics are just that. They're dynamic. They're moving. Um, things change. We change as we get older. As we get older, we realize stuff like, oh, my parents are messed up. <laughs> they don't have it all figured out like I thought they did when I was 10 or 11 or 12. And then and we're, we're leading ourselves as adults. So uh, holidays can be um, dynamic, lots of moving parts. We're in what's known as the holiday season. Something to keep in mind is that... Um, while we grow and change and family dynamics are dynamic, um, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let us remember that while we see, there's a, there's a proximity of family sometimes this time of year. And we get to see the stuff about them that we love and also the stuff that kind of pushes those buttons. Um, but may we just remember that um, what's bigger than all of that is God sees that stuff about us as well, but he's never just like, oh, gosh, i got to spend the holidays with this person. Uh, it's a joy for him. So may just there kind of be like this sense of God's presence in his favor upon you this holiday season, and may that just, may the word be grace, and may that also be extended from you to your family. So um, we are in the book of Genesis. And as we move, uh, that's really cool, the Advent thing that Matt was talking about for the youth. Um, as we kind of start to move on, on, I can't believe it's almost Christmas already, tripping me out. Um, but here we go. And so as we get into December, um, we'll have some cool things coming up around Christmas. Actually, Christmas Eve this year is a Sunday morning, um, which is rad because we do a special Christmas Eve service, or we have in the past. Um, but this year, um, we'll do our kind of special Christmas Eve service on Sunday morning. It'll be super fun, and so I'm looking forward to that. But we are in the book of Genesis. Um, we're going to be in chapter 11. If you want to make your way there, I want to pray, and I need to turn off low battery mode. because this thing didn't charge last night. Oh, 
Where's, oh, there it is. Battery, low battery mode. Oh, perfect. Where's your kid when you need them? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your presence. Lord, before we um, open up your word, we just want to give thanks from this church family to you. We thank you that um, you are good. We thank you that you created us. We thank you that we get to live and move and breathe and, and have a life in this world. And we acknowledge, Lord, that, um, that you are bigger than our current circumstance. And so, Lord, we want to ask that you would be with us and you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit through your word this morning, that we know that just us regular old people in Bellingham, Washington, have a front row seat to God's goodness and that um, we are just as able to hear your voice as anyone who has ever been. So Lord, as we open your word, we open it expectantly and with anticipation. We love you and we thank you and everybody said, Amen. amen. All right, so Genesis chapter 11, the title of this morning's message is The Beginning of Babylon. Now, we've been looking at the beginnings, and that's what Genesis is, the beginning of all things. And so we've looked at creation, humankind with men and women, and the fall, and then the way of Cain, uh, the flood, which we looked, took three weeks and talked about what's up with the flood and all of its implications. And now we get to chapter 11, and I want to read to you verses 1 through Nine. So if you have a Bible, open it up. If you are in life group, which I know a lot of you are, mark these verses down. You can kind of reread them before life group this week. So in chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now the whole world had one language and common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may declare a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. The beginning of Babylon. You know, stories like this, accounts like this, they're kind of funny. Because when we look at these, now let me, if you, if you grew up in the church, 
when you hear this or the flood or different things, oftentimes your mind will go back to youth group, Sunday school. You're like, oh, yeah, I heard this when I was a kid. These people were like building a Lego tower. And God looked, and he didn't like that. So he went down and smashed their tower, and then people started speaking Portuguese and English, and, and everyone lived happy, happily ever after. When we Sometimes when you read stories like this, they actually don't make total sense when you first look at them. And they can paint God in a weird light, like God saw that people were working together. And he didn't like that. God saw that technology was being advanced, and he was like, no, don't want that. And it can kind of paint God in like a weird, mean light, same way the flood did. That's why we took three weeks and look at it. Hi, guys. Visitors from out of state, my friends. <laughs> but it can paint God in like a weird light. And so we have to like teach these and be like, well, let me explain this and let me explain that. Because in Babel, this, the place of Babylon, we look at, well, if it, was, it was obviously bad because God said, this is bad. So let's go down, scatter it, scatter the people. But there were some good things happening. It wasn't just all things were bad, but the motives were bad. The good things that were happening there were technological advances like crazy. God's not anti-tech. They were looking at, they were like, look, we can make, it's actually crazy if you deep dive on Babel and the first, this is on this first city like this. Instead of taking rocks that didn't stack and were hard to make symmetrical, if they did things a certain way and bake them, they could make bricks and build things like towers and pyramids and the technological advances were crazy. It, um, there was a common vision of the people. Let us build. People were working together. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. The means in which they were working toward was not good, but the fact that people were working together is good. English actually doesn't do a great job translating this one in particular, but a lot of this stuff in Genesis, because remember, it wasn't written in English. It wasn't written to us, and it wasn't written 10 years ago. It was written by Moses. I'll just go out on a limb and say by Moses. It's not a, not a far-out limb. There's a, some different things, but most likely Moses wrote Genesis. Uh, Genesis was given to the people of Israel when they were in the desert after the exodus from Egypt, okay? So it was written specifically to a people. That's why there's so many ties. I could go so deep on the language of the Tower of Babel to the pyramids of Egypt. It's crazy. You could go so deep into the imagery of let us bake them. What did Pharaoh say to the um, Israelites um, on how they were to make the bricks for the pyramids? And then when he got super PO'd at them, TO'd at them, we're at church for crying out loud, he took the straw away and they had to make bricks without straw. So the imagery and the language is very familiar to them and it kind of gets lost in English. 
and you get this thing like, oh, they were building this thing, and God's like, ugh, that's not good, and they scattered them. This very deep, they can get lost sometimes in like the, when we revert to what we may have thought or been taught as a kid. So English doesn't do a great job. It translates the words of the story, but it has a hard time translating the entirety and the imagery and the, the whole account. It misses the emphasis. And it's important that we get the emphasis of this story because this is something that will be teased out through the rest of the Bible. This is the beginning of Babylon. If you turn all your pages of your Bible, like that's where it is at the beginning, okay? If you go all the way to where there's just that much at the end, Babylon at the very end. So this is the beginning of something that is going to be talked about in different ways throughout the whole Bible. So what I want to do with our time together this morning I want to talk about three things. Three things that we're going to look at, and then I'm pretty sure next week we're going to look at the implications of how do we live in this, how do we navigate it, all right? So here's what we'll look at this morning. We're going to look at, number one, Babylon is a place. The second thing, Babylon is a power. And the third thing, Babylon is a problem. Babylon is a place, Babylon is a power, Babylon is a problem. Let's look at the first one. So back at the beginning, verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let us make bricks. Let us bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens so that, those are always cool words to underline, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, another, when you see action words like that, or they're cool to like underline, circle um, for further reading. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. You know, Babylon was the world's second city. It's the second city in the world. In the history of mankind, Babylon was the second one. For 200 points, does anyone know what the first city was? The city of Cain. Cain. It actually says in, uh, back in chapter 4, so Cain went out from the Lord's presence, lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It says there he built a city. Now, a city in the Bible is not necessarily what you would think of today, although there are some similarities. Another huge theme in Scripture that you follow throughout. So city is important. Babylon, important. But a city was a walled area. Cain built it to keep people out. Why? He thought people were going to take vengeance on him for what he did to Abel. So he built a city walled out to keep enemies out. Babylon, second city, big walled city, a place of protection from what you want to keep out. What do they want to keep out? Another theme, eastward. Did you catch that word? 
verse 2, and the people moved as the people moved eastward. Eastward. Another word in the Bible that gets traced throughout. Eastward always speaks of outside of God's presence. Outside of God's best. Where did Cain go when he left, when he was banished from Eden? East. He went to the land of Nod. East of Eden. As men, mankind, moved eastward, they found the plain of Shinar, this low place, and it was in this low place they decided to build a high place. We see Babylon not just as a physical place, and it was. But when you start to look at the implications outside of God's presence with walls to keep him out, to do, to govern its thing. Let us build so that we may make a name for ourselves. We start to see that Babylon isn't just a physical place that once was. It's a spiritual place that currently is. It's a place. Look at the center of the city. In Old Testament imagery, at the center is the middle. Look at the imagery of the garden. Do you guys remember? In this land, there was this place. In this place, there was this garden. In this garden, there was this tree that was at the, the, mid, the middle, the center. We look at the temple imagery that we were talking about when we were looking at the ark, and everything has a, a meaning. So the center is important. Look at the center of the city, and you'll see the center of the story. At the center of Babylon, there was a tower. This is where we get the Tower of Babel. It actually had a name. Um, and, Tim, and Temenonki was the name of the tower, which is cool that it had a name because they didn't just look and be like, oh, check out, bro, it's the Tower of Babel. It actually had a name. They named this tower in Temenonki. You know what it means? It means the house of the foundations of heaven on earth. The house of the foundations of heaven on earth. In their mind and in their oneness of heart, they wanted a place apart from the rule of God and built solely upon, they were trying to recreate Eden. Trying to recreate a place, when when mankind does it, it starts in a low place, but we want to build a high place. And they named this place heaven on earth. It was this place that if we could just do what we want and get people on board with us, we will experience heaven on earth. Actually, it's one of the reasons why I think people moved to Bellingham. No joke. I think people moved to Bellingham because they will have this experience of this place. Because Bellingham is awesome. Amen? Some people are like, no. (laughs) I love this place. In the, hey, easy. Um, Every time I visit somewhere, I'm like, man, that place is cool. I can't wait to go home. We get to live in this place where if you you are about the same things in life that I am, um, this place kind of has it all. So people move from all sorts of places because they hope to have this, I call it like a utopian experience. 
it's like Bellingham where the, you know, where the biking is amazing and the, the water is right there. It's like, it's like, ah. But then you move here and when your problems are still with you because you're the problem, the problems are inside of you. So they go with you wherever you go. And then you're at a certain place for a while and you realize that life is still uh, hard. I think that's a reason why a lot of people come to certain places is they think they're going to experience this, um, this thing, this life, this magic that we're created to experience. We are created to experience it. We're created to experience wholeness, abundance, Jesus says, in him. And apart from him, we're going to experience frustration. So at the center of Babylon, this tower, the place where heaven and earth meet, it's the opposite of the Garden of Eden. The tree of life represents God's presence and God's rule, and the tower in the city represented us in our name, make our name great. This is the culmination of the ultimate apex of human and spiritual like exaltation of self. This is the city of self with the tower of who I am and what I can do in the middle for the whole world to see. And not only was it the place of who I am and what we want, it was the place of, did you catch it in the, in the text? It said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. They they're, said their fear was being scattered, but what was God's blessing? Go, be fruitful, multiply. And they were like, no, let us come together, which means they had to make everybody be like them, think like them. They wanted to just be us and then you be like us. And they just kept bringing people in and bringing people in. The, this is the heart of self that says, this is not just what I want, but it begins to say, no, this is what God wants. This is what God wants for you. This is what God wants for our world. This is what God wants for our cities. And they begin to bring people in, not just under the banner of what they want, but they'll use the language of this is what God wants. It'll say, it's not just my way, it's God's way. So you must be like us to make everyone like us and say this is God's will. Don't you see that this is the imagery, or excuse me, this is the mindset of the way of the serpent in chapter 3 of the Bible. That's why these, these chapters in Genesis are so important because they just get repackaged and repurposed throughout Scripture over and over and over and over. And the mindset never goes away, but we see here that it's an exaltation of self. And it ends up wanting to keep God out, build yourself up, and then making people just want to see everything from your point of view and be with you and think like you. Babylon is the place where self is at the center. It began there. 
physically began. But it exists here today as well. It's a spiritual place. The second thing, Babylon is a power. This kingdom, which it was, this was the second city built, but this was the first kingdom ever built. What do kingdoms have to have? A king, a leader, a ruler. This kingdom is no different. But from those verses we read this morning, you don't know who the king of Babylon was. You actually have to back up. And you know, the, there's a chapter before this that talks, it's got a billion names. Who's reading through Genesis as we do this? Don't lie, it's church and it's Christmas time. <laughs> if you do, no presents for you. That's a joke. But if you are reading, and you should be, this is where God is leading us as a church. On Sundays, it's good to be like keeping up and reading on your own because God doesn't just speak to you here on Sundays. He speaks to you every day if you want him to. And he can be pointing things out in these scriptures. But there are verses in the Bible that are like, dude, this one's, does, this ver- does this chapter ever end? And it's some of these genealogy chapters. It's like, so then Noah and them came out of the ark, and then these son, this son, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Shem sons, boom, boom, boom. Ham sons, boom, boom, boom. Japheth, all of this stuff, and then you get all the way to where you get to Babel. But in chapter 10, and part of one of those genealogies, you get these verses here. Cush was the father of Nimrod. <laughs> Nimrod. That's where that came from. Who was called a Nimrod as a kid? Me neither. Cush was the father of Nimrod, who became a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That's why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Like that was a cultural thing that they said of the day. The first centers of his kingdom were Babylon, Uruk, Akdad, Kalne, and Shinar. Verse 11. And from that land, he went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Kala, and Rezin, which is between Nineveh and Kala, which is the great city. Now, if you look at these cities, you could be like, oh man, homie was a builder. He went here and built this, then he went here and built this, and then he went here and built this. All of these things actually weren't built in the same generational lifetime. If you trace these out, these are thousands of years that these, sto- that these places come into. There could have been roots planted around that time, but they were over a vast array of places over a long period of time. Nineveh is the story of Jonah, which was came to power later. So... Babel is a place physically, but also spiritually. Babylon has a power. Nimrod then, but he is the embodiment of a spirit. He is the embodiment of a mindset. He is the embodiment. He existed then, bad dude. It wasn't like he was a good hunter, like he slayed elk from a thousand yards with a spear. Actually, it says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. He wasn't a hunter of animal. He was a hunter of people. He was a decimator of people groups. And this isn't, and isn't building yourself up at the expense of all others just like that. 
How many people had a friend, you would hear stuff like, oh, they're just blowing your candle out, honey, to make their shine brighter. He was the king of that. That's how kingdoms worked back in the day. And it's still how they work. And I will crush you to build up mine. This spirit is a person, yes, but it's also a spiritual force of opposition to God. Nimrod, the name actually means let us rebel. He's a type for the devil, for the new way of the serpent, for the continuation of the the building up of self and the keeping God out. (coughs) Nebuchadnezzar would one day wield this power. (coughs) Sorry. Nebuchadnezzar would one day wield this power when it was his turn to be king of what kingdom? Babylon. Thousands of years later, Babylon existed. Nebuchadnezzar was his turn to wield this power. Jesus refers to this, and the New Testament refers to this as the kingdom of this world. The kingdom that builds itself up, makes a name for itself, and builds walls to keep God out. This is the kingdom that the devil offered Jesus when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by him because the kingdom of this world has a king. Listen to this. In Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 8, it says this, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. (coughs) Is that for me? Thank you. I swallowed something. Mm, Lovely. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of this world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Have you ever read that and be like, what does that mean? Do you like show him New York City or something and be like, hey. This is my city, dog. Is the spirit of that, the spirit of the world that has existed since the garden, to usurp power from faith and, and trusting in God to building up for yourselves a kingdom, a tower of self that we see in Babel, and then we see again with the statue in Daniel, in Nebuchadnezzar these different kingdoms that were and that would come, and then one day one would come and crush those kingdoms. But then Babylon comes up again in Revelation. It's like, wait, I thought Babylon was destroyed by the Assyrians and then destroyed by the Greeks, and then the Romans ruled. No, because it's a a spirit that continues. So that's why it's important to understand. Not only is it the kingdom that is at work today and the power that has worked today it's what the bible ends with god taking care of once and for all the spirit of babylon it's what jesus will do away with when he returns so it's a place it's a power last thing i want to look at today is a problem it's a problem look at back in our uh regular original text genesis 11 verse 5 But the Lord came down to see the city 
and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, if as, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. This is what God is saying. So let me back up a half a step. This spirit of this leader, Nimrod, when you look in the and study this person, there are spiritual forces in his leadership. He's not just like a really good leader with an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, there is like spirit of the serpent alive and well, giving him power and authority beyond just human capabilities. There will be a leader like this one day, again, who will have, and, and I would even say at times there are people now that get people on the bandwagon of something that it's more than just human. There are spiritual you guys know there's like spiritual things at play in our world. Do you know this? We experience it here. Because we are a spiritual people. We have a king whom we follow that is, he says, you worship me in spirit and in truth. So we're looking to Jesus and where light is, darkness tries to creep in. And so there are spiritual dynamics at play. Kingdom of darkness and kingdom of light. Kingdom of light is greater and Jesus casts out darkness and darkness can never turn off the light. That's why Jesus says, you're the city of the world. Let your light shine so people can see what God has done in your life. But there's like dynamic, spiritual dynamic things at play. And there, Nimrod wasn't just a dude. There was a spiritual force at work. And so Jesus, God said when he came down and looked, if they were to continue this way, and this is what they can do apart from us, it was powerful. And according to like maybe even what they called success, he's like, they'll totally give themselves over to this. But he already said, I'm not going to destroy the world again via flood. We'll see that he floods Sodom and Gomorrah eventually with the flood of fire, with the evil and depravity that was going on. But he was like, dude, they're almost like sold out to this. But God preserved the good. So he says, let us go and scatter them. It will be confusing to them, but it will get back to God's original plan for people's flourishing. So he says, come, verse 7, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. It would have been interesting to see how that went. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This self-governing and authority, it has a seductive power that you can be all that you want to be, just whatever you want to be, just go and do it. it it's, it's enticing that you can really 
define your own happiness. And that if you just give yourself in to just whatever feeling you're feeling at the time, that there really can be not just a happiness, but almost an authority over other people. It's, it has a draw. But we end up building a life that accompanies walls and the desire to exalt self. We end up telling God to be there. So I want to end with just a couple of, these are going to be hard truths, but you can handle it. Here's a hard truth. Sometimes the things that we build for ourselves to make our names great will succeed. They'll take us, but they will take us away from the good path and the good life that God has for us. Let's just look at a real life example. Let's look at addiction. You know, there was a time in my life where doing lots of drugs was really fun. It, it was fun. The fun part worked. But anyone who's ever struggled with addiction, we, we don't see it. Everyone in our lives sees it. But there's a moment when it stops becoming fun and it gets dark. It gets destructive. The people that love us see it, but we're just having fun. And then the hard, here's the, the hard thing. Some, we, we're blind to it, but somehow when your eyes are open and if you actually believe you were destroying yourself, then you hand over the keys of authority to your life. Oh, God could build something else. If I stopped trying to build myself up, I was keeping them out when I was just doing my own thing because I just wanted to feel good. Turns out, there was a spiritual dynamic the whole time just said, just keep going, just keep going. You don't need God. You don't need God. Just do, and you were killing yourself and killing your family and the world around you. Dude, look outside. It's pervasive. But there comes a time when if your eyes are open to it, we see that. I was keeping God out the whole time. There was a spiritual that It was like someone was against me, trying to kill me. And then you come, and when people find freedom in Jesus and meet him for who he really is, not only is your life saved, but you realize, yo, I have so much more to offer. Yeah. Right? That's, that's freedom. That's what Jesus talks about. I came. To, this is what the devil wants to do, steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus was like, I came to give life like real life, like you can't find it shooting up. You can't find it getting high. You can't find it in a million sexual partners. You can't find it there. I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, I'm going to. But we'll look and we'll look and we'll look and we'll turn over another rock and we'll try to find that thing that we're building up for ourselves. Here's a hard truth. You're just not going to find it. So sometimes we'll build these things for ourselves, and the thing that sucks is it works. It, it'll work. We might even package it real nice and call it the American dream. It'll work. Have enough money to buy whatever you want. I don't need God. I got Netflix. Or Amazon Prime. So you have what you think you need all the while there's this whole other world that you're keeping out from building self.
And so sometimes God will come down and he will destroy what you're building. How many of us, by just raise the hand of your heart, your life just came to ruin one day? Yeah. Okay, well, let's go real hands. Did you know it wasn't out of God's anger? It's out of his love. They'll take us away from God's plan and path, so he'll actually let them come to ruin. And he'll scatter us. He'll bring the things that we built for ourselves to nothing and scatter us what seems like wilderness, all for the purpose of eventually leading us to the place of his provision, his protection, and his blessing. Here's another hard truth. No matter how high you build it, God still has to come down to it. I love this. It says they found this valley of Shinar. You look, it's actually a low place. And isn't that the way we build things? We go to the low place of life and then we try to make it a high place. But no matter how high you build it, God still says, wow, that's actually working for them. Let us go down to it. It will never be, when you're building it for yourself and for your own name and for your own fame, it'll never be what you want it to be. It'll never replace who God is. And here's the last thing. It's not just out there. I really want, we really need to hear this. Babylon isn't just out there. It's, should I say it can be in here or should I say it is in here? All right. Babylon is not just out there. It's in here. It's in the church. See, we want us to be like, oh, the world is so bad. Lucky for us. We wall ourselves in to keep the world out. But where did Jesus, who did Jesus identify with when he came to the earth? The broken. He says, hey, if you're thirsty, if you're tired of Babylon and the ways of Babylon, if you come to me and drink, you can be fulfilled. All the while, the church is over here going, thank God we're not as screwed up as them. That was the Pharisee outside where he's praying in the Temple Mount. And he was like, God, I'm so, you're, I know you're stoked on me. And I'm so glad I'm not like those people. Here's my life. Here's what I do. And then it looks over in the corner and there's a sinner, someone who's like, their life is broken. And they're just going, God, please help me. I'm like, I don't want to live like this anymore. And Jesus looks and he goes, who do you think's life was changed that day? The broken person. There's going to be a new wave of people. We're experiencing it in this church. I believe it with my whole heart. So this is what we have to watch out for. Because the next wave of people that are going to find freedom and true identity and relationship with God, they're going to be people that are tired of Babylon. And if they come in here and they find it repackaged and called Christianity, 
they're going to leave and they're not going to meet Jesus. And it's crazy, sorry, we sort of have to answer for that. In Revelation, Jesus says when he's writing the letter to the churches, I stand at the door and I knock. The church door. And it's sort of like, is there room for me here? Is there room for my kingdom? Is there room for the people I'm going to bring with me? Is there room for what I want to do? And his, his uh, instruction, correction, rebuke to each of those churches was, you guys were so busy doing your thing, you're missing out on my kingdom. This is what I wrote. This will be the next wave of people finding the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus. They've experienced Babylon. It's allure. It's power. It's destructiveness. It has enslaved them. They're looking to be freed from it, not to learn another form of it. This is what the church needs to know and needs to be aware of, that we can become Babylon ourselves. So if we let him and we're open to it, we can experience the opposite of Babylon. Do you know what that is? It's found in Acts chapter 2, and it's called the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is where God spoke to a group of people that were seeking him, how to live, how to be in their generation. God, how do we, how do we, do, how do we live this? How do we do this? They were praying. Always a good thing to do when you don't know what to do. Lord, I need to know who you are, what you want to do. Help me. They were praying, and it says, and God came, and the Spirit of God filled this room, and all of these different kingdoms and nations and languages were represented. But when the Holy Spirit came, all of these people spoke the same language. It wasn't the same dialect. As a matter of fact, people were tripping out. And they're like, yo, how does this person know my language? I'm from such and such a place. They're, but the Spirit of God speaks all people's languages. So no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, the Holy Spirit speaks your language. He knows who you are. He knows what to do. And that is what we want in our time. That's what I want. That's what I want this place to be, to where people come, and we hear it all the time. We hear it, and I, maybe I don't share it enough, but we hear people being like, yo, I was in this place, and I came, and someone said hi to me, and they helped me find a seat, and then I was sitting there through worship, and then, you know, the message and this and that, and it was like God was speaking to me. That's like a real thing, and that's what we want, and it, it's messier than you want it to be. There has different looking people than you thought there would be. But it's the place of life. It's the opposite of the Tower of Babel. So as you're reading your Bible, I wanted to expand on all of that because as you're reading scripture, Babylon comes up over and over and over. So now hopefully you'll read Daniel differently. Hopefully you'll read Ezra and Nehemiah. You'll read those books differently because you'll see it wasn't just a place. It was a, it's a spirit. It's a power that moves throughout scripture. And that's what God is always looking to free us from. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom that you promise. 
Lord, I just, I, I know that uh, there are people here that are wondering, like, is this whole deal real? I've, I've been there. And I remember praying something along the lines of, God, if you're real, just show me. But it was from a pure heart, an honest heart that wanted to know. And you began a, began a process of my life of not only showing me that you do exist, but just knowing that that's the thing that matters most in my life. So I just want to pray for the different places that we're at. Lord, we pray that you would tear down things that are leading us away from you. Maybe you could do it gently, <laughs> though, Lord. Lead us Lead us to you and help us to see the world for how it really is. Help us to just also see kind of the stuff behind it. And help us to see you. Lord, we sing a song to you just as a response. And may it, may it be a song that we sing, but um, we're just going to think of it as like a prayer that we can pray. So we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.